in last year itself, I felt like I was late to NFTs. Um, but, you know, seeing it really ramp up through, you know, December and January, um, you know, NBA Top Shots really started taking off. Um, the moments I held, they were gaining value, um, you know, ridiculously. Um, so I guess the question of, you know, if we're in a bubble, um, it's hard to tell. Uh, it's it's difficult with, you know, artwork because if you're buying art, you're mostly buying it because you probably see something in it, you like it, you enjoy looking at it. So it's really subjective. Welcome to Founders Table, where conversations are shared with Black and Latinx founders, operators, and venture capitalists. These episodes will feature their stories, advice, and reflections on their journey. Our goal is to provide our listeners with some valuable takeaways from the conversations we have with our featured guests. And uh, for our third episode, our guest is Nawaz Ahmed, uh, rising venture capitalist and founder, and someone I'm really excited to talk to. How's it going, Nawaz? It's going well, man. Um, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this chat with you, NT. No, yeah, we're definitely excited to have you on here. Um, so, Nawaz, how about you just start off by telling a little bit about yourself and what kind of work do you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, over the past few years, I've gotten quite into um, angel investing and venture capital. So, I've been working really closely with, you know, great startups in New Zealand, um, as well as a few interesting ones in the States. Um, and I've made, you know, a handful of investments over the past year and a half. Um, but alongside that, have also been working on a new startup myself, um, which I co-founded with uh, two other um, co-founders last year, um, a company called Visualize, and we're essentially building a new platform for creators um, to be able to tell better visual stories online. Um, and yeah, we're super excited for that. Hopefully, would have. Um, you know, the first versions of a live platform over the next few weeks. Um, so really looking forward to it. Um, and also been uh, doing a little bit of podcasting. Um, I have my own podcast called The Inquisitive VC, where I talk to VCs and entrepreneurs around the world, uh, mostly as a way to, uh, you know, bring that knowledge and access to New Zealand because we're so far away, uh, you know, from everyone else. No, definitely. That's real interesting. And part of the reason why we started our own podcast as well. Um, just to hear more about people in the space and just about their experiences and just to share more of their stories and some of the advice they have as well. Um, can you speak a little bit more about your um, your startup? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I guess we're, we're in the early stages, um, currently still bootstrapped. Um, and we're three founders. Um, one, one of the founders came up with the idea. He's a career marketer. Um, and he came to me uh, early last year because I was the only person he knew in the startup space. Um, and I've been doing a lot of marketing um, for my previous startup as well as um, in contracting roles. Uh, so I really understood the problem he presented, which was, you know, blogging currently is super, you know, monotonous and it's quite a word processor like format. If you guys have, you know, read blogs or looked at Medium, it's, you know, blocks of text, uh, maybe an image or a video and then more blocks of text. Um, but we want to give the, you know, the writer or the creator significantly more flexibility on how they design things. Um, so having more control over the background or images, audio transitions in and out of the page um, and, and things like that. So it'll be a easy to use builder um, that allows you to make stuff like that. And currently you can only see blogs like that by big, I guess, media agencies or sites like ESPN or BuzzFeed. 
but they can only do it because, you know, they have massive resources and teams of developers and graphic designers. It's quite difficult for, you know, uh, a single creator or a very small business to, to make anything like that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, I definitely feel like blogging has definitely went through a cycle, I feel like, um, especially now with just the pandemic, I feel like we're always just getting a lot of information at ourselves a lot. So it's pretty difficult for us to be consistent with the type of content that we want to actually be reading and um, paying attention to versus just just keep scrolling. So I definitely meaningful to a lot of people um, going forward. Just to speak more about your podcast, I noticed like when I was looking at the platform that it was kind of different where you really just read the transcript of the podcast versus just listening to it. So was there like any um, particular reason why you chose to have it in that format? Yeah, so when I started, um, I guess, thinking about it last year, um, I wasn't really into listening to podcasts myself uh, just because I didn't think I had the time. Um, and then I I preferred reading things. So, you know, going through a transcript or, or something like that. So I thought there'll be more people like me um, who would be more interested in reading it rather than listening in it. Also, podcasts were, they just seemed to be a lot of them already. So I was struggling to figure out a way to differentiate myself in, in that form, um, which is why I kind of went down the route where I have, you know, a proper conversation and then get it transcribed. Um, but, you know, after doing, I think I put out just over 30 conversations um, over the past year, um, you know, after those conversations, talking to my guests and talking to list, uh, readers of Inquisitive VC, um, it seemed like it might be a good idea to actually put out audio as well. So I'm currently working on, um, you know, the audio side of the podcast. So hopefully it would have, you know, the first few um, audio podcast um, live over the next few weeks as well. No, yeah, that's great to hear. And yeah, um, that audio aspect, when you add that, that's really just going to push that forward with that one next level, you know. Um, so that'll be great. Um, another question I had for the podcast is, since we're, this is basically our third episode and you said that you basically put out about 30 conversations out there. Um, and the goal, our goal is kind of similar where we're trying to like shed the light on the journey of venture capitalists as well as founders and entrepreneurs. Um, so since you have more volume on your website right now, have you gotten some type of feedback where people find the information that you're putting out there like valuable and stuff like that? Um, so I've had a few founders reach out to me uh, wanting to learn more um, about how to talk to these VCs, what they're kind of looking for. Um, so I, I guess it's been really helpful to them in that format. And that's really that's really been great because that's what I wanted to do. I want to help them uh, connect to you know, great VCs outside of New Zealand and as well as connect to other entrepreneurs so that they can learn from each other. No, yeah, that's great to hear because at the end of the day, um, I liked how our message was similar where we're trying to just make some impact for the up and coming venture capitalists and entrepreneurs um, and give them some guidance. So that's, uh, I love to hear that. Um, another question I had, because the last couple of episodes we have, um, we've had basically a lot of founders on our um, on our podcast. So you're in the venture capitalist space as well as an angel, angel investor. So would you want to talk about that a little bit in your journey in that space? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started angel investing in late 2019, um, mostly as a way to learn more about how to invest. Um, so I'm an aspiring VC. Um, and over the you know previous to 2019, I was working really closely with early stage startups in various roles. Um, worked at the University of Auckland's commercialization department, 
um, worked at one of uh, New Zealand's leading deep tech incubators, um, and have been really active in the crypto and blockchain space here as well. So a lot of these things have led me to, you know, working with some great founders, and I thought it would be great to build upon that and start angel investing. Um, so I was part, I was working with a group in uh, in Auckland called Flying Kiwi Angels, um, and they're one of uh, one of the leading angel groups in New Zealand. Um, so I joined them in 2019 uh, as an angel um, and made my first few investments uh, with them. And since then have been really, you know, really loved the process, really loved working with founders, um, thought it was super rewarding. Um, and that led on to me becoming a scout for a new venture fund in New Zealand, um, which started up last year, a fund called Hillfarns Venture Capital. And so I'm a scout for them, which helps me, you know, write larger checks, um, which really helps. So that way I've been, you know, a bit more active in the space, which has been great. Um, and then last year, at the end of last year, I started uh, exploring uh, U.S. startups as well. Um, it's quite difficult being, you know, in New Zealand, getting access to some great companies in the States. Uh, but, you know, building some relationships through the podcast and, and through Twitter um, managed to get into some some great companies. So I've invested in three now um, in the U.S. and I've invested in uh, three in New Zealand, and I'm working on a couple more here. That's great. Oh, congrats on that. Um, definitely feel that angel investing is big, and that's definitely something that can help propel you into VC as well. Um, is there anything specific about the companies that you invested in? Like, is there anything? Uh, like a certain sector that you look into or anything like specific about the companies that made you fall in love with them and you had to invest? Yeah. So I'm not really sector specific, probably because of my background. So I did, you know, I, I have an undergrad in biomedical science and then a, I did a master's in a business program and then I worked with startups and then I worked in crypto. So having a wide range of experiences let me see, uh, lets me see and understand a lot of different um, you know, ideas and companies. So not really sector specific, have invested in companies in, you know, the med tech space, um, ad tech, um, and, you know, general enterprise SaaS. So quite variant. Um, and it's it's been really exciting that way as well. So, you know, you see a lot of, I guess, synergies between different companies that you're working with, uh, even though they're in completely different sectors. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been really exciting. Um, but yeah, not, not really sector specific, uh, at all. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and I definitely agree with you on the, the synergy part. I feel like a lot of the sectors are kind of interconnected in a lot of ways. So that would make sense on you looking into synergy as well. Um, I heard you are a little bit into like crypto and DeFi as well. Would you like to speak more upon that? I think I saw you had a a crypto newsletter as well um and are also a block uh bitcoin uh fan as well so can you speak more on to the DeFi space and why you um believe in crypto as well yeah um for sure so i got into crypto in early 2017 um which was i guess more lucky um because it was just before you know the the top of the bull run uh that phase of it um, so that was really exciting. I, I knew about Bitcoin, you know, before that, but never really paid attention, um, was just busy with, you know, uni stuff. And then 
after I learned about the reason I got into it was because I learned about other cryptos outside of Bitcoin, like Ethereum. Um, and that's when I kind of fell down the rabbit hole and started to learn more about, you know, Ethereum and, and all these other different types of cryptocurrencies and started, you know, researching, learning um, and investing as well. Um, and I thought it would be a great way to um, I thought a great way to increase, you know, the the speed of my learning was to start working in a company that's in the crypto space. So I started working at a local New Zealand crypto exchange, um, helping them with marketing and branding, and then moved on to um, a company that uh, is essentially a venture builder uh, in the crypto and blockchain space um, and have been helping them. I was part of their advisory and investment team. So we're working with their portfolio companies as well as um, other companies for various, you know, blockchain and crypto related uh, consulting from, you know, really early stage. So helping with structuring their tokens to helping them um, make a pitch deck and pitch to crypto VCs um, and also working with government organizations in New Zealand, um, helping them understand um, a bit more about crypto and, and how to really understand that space. Um, and it's been really exciting. Um, I love being, you know, part of the space. It's, uh, you know, being part of it for, you know, not as long as a lot of people I know, but three and a half, four years, it, it just moves so fast. Um, a lot of things are happening. You know, you guys mentioned DeFi. That's, you know, that space is just so broad itself. Like, it's hard to keep up with everything that's happening. Um, and, you know, you feel like, you're missing stuff as you know you sleep through the night you don't know what's happening the next day um i don't know if you guys have seen much about nfts recently or heard about them but that's you know that's been massive recently so i've been you know really researching and understanding that significantly more um i i guess i bought my first nfts uh last year um while it was still kind of uh you know taking off um, and yeah, it's been, you know, a great journey kind of seeing how, how it's growing and now it's becoming more of a norm. People don't really look at Bitcoin as something weird anymore, um, which is great because in 2017, they'll just think you're, you know, being dumb with your money if you talk about crypto. So it's been a great change. Um, and I, I love it because I guess the core fundamentals of it really, um, you know, resonate with me the whole part about democratization of access um, and having a decentralized currency and system um, really kind of resonates with, with what I stand for. That's really funny that you mentioned the NFTs because me, uh, Lou and Abu have actually been talking about for this whole like last couple of weeks. Um, it's kind of cr- the whole concept is just crazy. Um, I definitely want you to talk about those a little and say, uh, give your opinion on that. But I also wanted to ask you, um, because you seem to know a lot about crypto and you're definitely in the space. Um, what do you see as the long-term outlook of uh, crypto, you know? Um, and like, I know you talked about how in the long term we want it to be like a decentralized currency, but like, what do you see like the long-term outlook of it? Yeah, it's a tough question. Um, just because things move so fast and it's really hard to tell, right? Like, you know, in 2017, there were talks of how, you know, we're lo- really looking forward to institutions investing into Bitcoins and um, Bitcoin and, and, and the space. And it took, you know, since 2017, the first news of actual institutions investing was last year, 2020, when a lot of hedge fund managers were talking about 
you know, Bitcoin openly and that, you know, they're actually investing out of their funds, out of their companies. Um, so that was a major shift and it took longer than, well, I thought it would. Um, and other people I, I was talking to thought it would, um, but it eventually came. So I, I don't know if I can give you like, you know, a good answer on the outlook of it. Um, but, you know, I don't think Bitcoin is going to go anywhere. Um, I don't think that it will be, you know, the currency that people will use to transact with, um, you know, as it was created for that reason to be, you know, transacted with. But I don't think that would happen. I think it will be more um, like a, you know, a reserve currency. I guess you could say similar to gold. It will hold and retain value, but I don't think it will be used as the major form of transactions. But I think some other crypto would would definitely take that space, um, and that is definitely um, up for competition right now. No, nah, definitely, and we see like how the other altcoins um, move, like in similarities with Bitcoin, like they also be going up as well. And you also spoke upon Ethereum, which I think could be um, very popular as we continue to move along, just through its features. Um, would you mind speaking more about uh, Ethereum and maybe some other altcoins to people that aren't familiar with it? Um, yeah, sure. So, it, well, I guess Ethereum was the reason I got into the space. Um, I've been following it really closely. Um, there's a lot of, you know, changes coming for Ethereum, which will really help with how it could potentially scale. So really looking forward to how that will, you know, I guess play out. And to be honest, it seems like it is the central kind of system for a lot of these new crypto-based activities like DeFi and NFTs. Most of these stuff is built on top of Ethereum. Um, there's a lot of other chains that, you know, they're trying to get a piece of it, but Ethereum is leading, you know, by far. Um, I guess on the NFT side, I think a great chain um, that's, you know, quite different uh, is Flow. Um, it's built by Dapper Labs, the same guys who made CryptoKitties and NBA Top Shot. Um, and NBA Top Shot's been, you know, really going off over the past, you know, year. So that was, the, you know, those are the first NFTs that I bought, um, NBA Top Shot um, moments and packs last year. Um, and it's really addicting. Like, you really want to keep keep getting in, keep buying stuff, keep seeing, you know, what you get. Um, and that's been really cool. So I, I think Flow is definitely um, a great one to keep an eye on, especially if, this NFT space keeps growing um, because they were, you know, it was designed for, for NFTs mostly in gaming. Um, so I think that would be a definitely great um, chain to keep an eye on. Um, and I guess on the DeFi side, uh, one that I really like is uh, a company in coin called Synthetics. Um, it's a way you can make synthetic, um, you know, assets on top of, uh, that's been really, you know, interesting. It's Australia, like the founder is based out of Australia, so quite close to New Zealand. Um, I actually met him three years ago before he actually founded Synthetics. Um, and it was, you know, quite interesting hearing um, him talk and then seeing him found Synthetics and how, how that's kind of developed over the past few years. So those are, you know, some of the interesting ones that I like, you know, watching and keeping an eye on, I guess, in the two different DeFi and F NFT spaces. No, I love to, I love to hear that insight. Um, and you, you made a huge emphasis on the NFTs. And I know I said earlier that me, Lou and Abu have been talking about it a lot lately too. Um, and I didn't know what they were until maybe like two weeks ago when Lou and Abu told me about them. 
So would you mind telling for some of our listeners that don't that wouldn't know what NFTs are? Can could you explain it to them a little bit and give you you know your side of it? Ah, uh, yeah, sure. I could give it a shot. Um, I'm not an expert in the space, but um, you know, in my understanding, uh, NFT is essentially a some sort of digital work um, that is able to be tracked on the blockchain, where you're able to verify its ownership and creatorship, um, and because of smart contracts, be able to program certain incentives or certain rules within it. Um, and a great kind of uh, rule that you could, I guess, program within NFT, um, which really makes sense for artists and creators is that, you know, every time one of their artworks, which they sell, um, is sold on the secondary market, they get to keep, uh, you know, a percentage of, of the sale. And that would, you know, keep happening, keep happening every time it's sold. And that's an, you know, amazing way for artists to continuously monetize one piece of their artwork, which is, you know, extremely difficult to do with real art. Um, but I guess there's there's definitely still a lot more different applications. Um, like NBA Top Shot is definitely a great example of you and uh, of an NFT, um, and I think it will bring, you know, a lot more. Um, I guess a lot more of the world into the crypto world without them really knowing that this is powered by blockchain, powered by NFTs. Um, you know, it's just a game where you collect um, NBA moments, but those moments are, you know, tracked on the blockchain. You can verify who owned them. Um, you can see when they bought it. You can see what, uh, you know, what version that they have. Um, and you can't, you know, change that. And that's, one of the amazing things about it, I guess, the whole transparency of the space, which is really important for spaces like art, which are, you know, quite an illiquid space. There's not a lot of transparency. Um, but once you bring it onto the blockchain, it opens up so many doors. No, it makes a lot of sense, especially <laughs> it just speaks a lot on what you were talking about with DeFi and just democratizing access, really. Um, given that transparency and what you talked about of just a lot of markets aren't as liquid as they can be, but with NFTs that just provides that liquidity and that also bring more people into the space and learn more about that as well, as we see with NBA Top Shots. Um, but you also said you were early into the NFT space. So, I mean, how does it feel to just see this like crazy transition? I feel like a lot of people are talking about it. They're even talking about it on the news. Um, do you see long-term um it's still being around you think we're kind of in a bubble with it um what it how do you feel about that yeah so i got in it last year um there's definitely people i know that have been earlier than me um like 2017 actually um which was a time i didn't even know about nfts um i actually got exposed to it because of um nba top shot um that's when i started to learn more about the different types of nfts um, and all of that, I was, I was playing around with a couple of the virtual world, um, cryptos like Decentraland. Um, if you guys have heard of that one, um, and you know, that that's an interesting space. I, I have a friend who collected, you know, a, a couple of NFT artworks, um, and then he went on Decentraland, uh, bought a piece of land, um, and built an art gallery where he's able to show off, um, all his NFT pieces, you know, which was really cool. Like he, he sent me the link and you're able to walk through it and see all of, all of the stuff that he's collected. Um, but you know, that was great. And in last year itself, I felt like I was late to NFTs. Um, 
but you know seeing it really ramp up through you know december and january um you know nba top shots really started taking off um the moments i held they were gaining value um you know ridiculously um so i guess the question of you know if we're in a bubble um it's hard to tell uh it's it's difficult with you know artwork because if you're buying art you're mostly buying it because you probably see something in it you like it you enjoy looking at it so it's really subjective to you um and your perspective and if someone's going to buy it from you um they probably see what you see in it or something different and they're willing to pay more for that or the creator is has become famous for some reason and that's increased the value of all their previous artwork um or something like that but if you're buying it because you know nfts are hot and you want to flip some artwork it's uh, that's really difficult because it's hard it's hard to identify what would really hold value um if you're you know buying art from from these marketplaces it's quite different to stuff like nba top shot where you know a lebron james card will always hold value because it's lebron james right um and yeah i guess we will see you know if we're in a bubble these the recent you know people sale um on christie's was you know crazy but you know i i don't know if it would be called crazy if it was not you know an nft there's there's been no you know actual art pieces that have sold for you know more than that um the fact that it's an nft selling for i think it's 60.9 million um is you know sounds crazy but uh, i think it was announced yesterday that the the buyers of of that um people um nft were they're essentially crypto native so they're nft collectors um they've been in the crypto space for a long time and they really understand it and they really see value um in buying people's nft um essentially as a shift in the world of you know art and virtual art um and you know that whole space so it's been really really cool to kind of watch all of that play out um and i do think it's going to stay for the long term um in various different ways i'm sure there'll be um you know completely new applications to do with nfts and you don't really know that there's nft in the back cuz you know it's just it's just a word for a piece of technology right um so definitely think it will stay around um in terms of the bubble it's it's hard to tell but i think there's definitely a lot of hype right now no i can definitely i definitely agree with that um there's definitely a lot of hype but i think it's i think it's awesome i think people should um get more tuned to the crypto space and defi space and this is like the perfect catalyst to to help um bring more education around that um just speaking more on like the founding and investing side uh what do you, how do you feel like nfts and like this more shift into like crypto and defi will affect that do you think there'll be more i mean i think there'll be more startups probably surrounded around decentralized finance and such but um like what do you what do you think will happen in that in terms of that um i think there'll definitely be uh increase in startups working in that space um and i've seen it um you know because i worked in uh, you know in the advisory and investment side of of a couple of crypto fir- firms um i i've interacted with a lot of founders working in the space um building interesting things to do with defi um nft is a bit you know bit newer where i haven't come across a lot of people working in that space yet um but yeah 
in terms of the global stage, there's definitely going to be a massive increase. And you, you could have used, you've seen that with, you know, general decentralized and crypto focused companies and products where you've had, you know, exited founders from these big companies um, that everyone knows of, like, you know, Airbnb or Facebook or Uber, and they're, you know, coming back and starting a new company, um, but in the crypto space. Um, so you'd see, you know, these, reputed founders coming and building in the space. Um, and I'm sure you'll start seeing that with, with NFTs and um, DeFi as well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that's really exciting because with, with NFTs, you could see it getting adopted really quickly by, you know, big artists as well um, already. So I think, I think it was Logan Paul that dropped the NFT recently um, and he sold them for like 5 million or something, which is, which is huge. And th these guys are adopting it really fast. Um, so I guess it's, it's just a matter of time till we see a lot more people building in the space and it becoming significantly more normal and just a part of general tech company rather than, you know, a subset, which is just blockchain or, or crypto companies. Yeah. I agree with that as well. Um, I was, I was telling the T and Abu as well. Like I, I think artists like, especially in the music side are going to definitely start to get into this. Um, like just think like they can create their own coin and have their own audience, like adopt that coin essentially. So it kind of like, I'm not sure how, what that means for the labels and what direction that will go in, but I think it could possibly be, and it'll be interesting to, to see how that plays out as well. Yeah, no doubt. You guys should check out this, um, this company called Roll. Um, I think the website's tryroll.com and that's where creators or any individual can go on and create social tokens, um, essentially tokens for themselves. So I can offer you, you know, a hundred Noah's tokens. And if you want to spend 10 minutes um, with me talking about something, that's how much it would cost um, as an example. But yeah, people are able to do that already where um, they're able to mint tokens representing their time or representing um, something to do with their future um, gains or returns. Um, and that's, you know, definitely an exciting space. No, yeah, 100%. And yeah, I liked, um, honestly, I like Lou's question about um, whether there's going to be uh, new startups coming up in that space, just because that is the hot, hot topic right now. Um, so I'm sure you see, obviously, a lot of startups, even you said that you're not uh, specific to a specific sector, you really look in all different sectors. Um, when you're looking to invest. So speaking to some of our um, listeners who are in a venture capitalist space and looking to invest, what are some of the things that you look into for specific companies that make you really invest in them? Some specifics that you look for in companies that you want to invest in? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's something that I've really worked on um, since I started investing in 2019. Um, and my conversations through my, you know, podcast, learning from a lot of these VCs have really helped as well, really hone what to look for, what, what kind of questions to ask. Um, but I guess there's, there's a handful of things that are really crucial um, when I, you know, when I'm looking at a company and I want to come to making a decision if I should invest or not. And I guess one of the most important ones for me is, why the founders are building this company. Um, you know, they, they could be a hundred other things they could be doing. They could be working at Facebook or Uber. Why are they taking time out of their lives and, you know, spending probably the next 10, 12 years building this company? 
Um, so I really want to understand, you know, what drives them, um, what what is the core reason for them building this? Is it, you know, they just want to, you know, start a company and, and get rich or is there something deeper there um, and why they're working in that space? Um, and if they're, you know, if they're multiple founders, I really want to understand, you know, their relationship, how they've, you know, worked together previously, um, what that looks like. Um, and then on the market side, I'm quite, I guess, being an angel investor, um, it's quite different to being a VC where we don't have to, you know, return a fund or return money back to LPs. So we can, you know, I guess I would say take a little bit more risk um, than, um, than a VC probably could. Um, but I, I like to just look at how big the market is in terms of do I think that this company has the potential to be, you know, a, a billion dollar company um, at a global scale. So that's something that's really important for me, especially when I look at companies in New Zealand. Um, they're, you know, we're, we're quite far away from the world. Some of the founders here are not thinking, you know, globally where I, I think they they could be more aspirational in terms of building big global companies based out of New Zealand um, that could really, you know, add value to the world in general. Um, and that's something I look for when I look for, you know, especially New Zealand companies, how big can this company really get? Is this a global idea or are they just focusing on, you know, the New Zealand or Australian market? Um, so yeah, I, I really like investing in, in big ideas um, with potential to have a lot of impact. Um, and that's another thing, right? Like I, pref I like investing in companies that I think will have a great impact on the world. Um, out of my six investments, uh, two are healthcare, uh, in the healthcare space. Um, and you know, I, I think they they have lots of impact, especially because they're, you know, they, they provide a lot of value to the end consumer as well as to, um, the, as well as to the people that are, you know, helping these end consumers with various problems that they might have, um, in the health space. So that's something that I, I like personally, but, you know, not all my investments are heavy on the impact side, but it's definitely something I like to look for, um, how impactful it would be. Um, but yeah, those are, I guess, my, my three core ones, um, that I really like. And I guess like the fourth one, um, is if I'm interested in the space um, or not. Um, I don't tend to invest in any company that I find boring, like personally. Um, if I can't get excited about it, I probably won't uh, invest. No, yeah, those are those are all great points. And I think that all of those are really helpful to up-and-coming venture capitalists for what they should be looking in companies that they're investing in, but then also founders of startups of so advice for them for what they should be building in their startups, um, because these are the things that investors look for. So I love that. That was awesome. Yeah, definitely big. Um, stress the team and like product fit part. I feel like a lot of startups just, I don't know, get like kind of just crazed into like the times and just want to start up something just to start it up, not really with the real purpose behind it and whether there's even a market for that type of thing. But um you looking into that um, for companies um, and really highlighting it. I think that's important as well. Um, 
getting into like the venture capital space and like founding space as well um did you have any like misconceptions about having a career in that um space like was there anything that you thought it was going to be one way but it's actually been completely different and how did you deal with those with those type of challenges as well um yeah so i've been learning a lot more about you know venture capital itself as a profession um again it's quite different when you're an angel investor investing your personal money um to being a vc when you're actually managing other people's money um it's significantly different um Usually, if you're a VC, you potentially be sitting on, you know, boards of companies that you've, you've invested in. Um, so there's there's a lot more responsibility, um, I guess, when it comes to being a VC. Um, and, you know, in my learnings, I didn't realize all, I guess, the back end stuff that a VC kind of has to do if you're operating a firm or are one of the few partners in the firm when it comes to, you know, raising capital um raising capital for your own firm um and you know the logistics of that is something that has been really interesting to learn about um and definitely something that you know if there are aspiring vcs or emerging fund managers they should definitely be looking and thinking about that quite early i guess um understanding how that works understanding how uh you know you need to think about constructing a portfolio um out of your fund um and understanding how valuations could affect, you know, your end holdings and and how much um, that could affect the returns of your fund. Um, so I, there's, you know, there were a lot of things that I didn't think about until I, I started really doing a deep dive into the space. And these are all, you know, these are all really nitty gritty things which you kind of have to know if, you, if you're going to be a good VC or have your own fund. Um, yeah, so I, I guess that's that's been definitely insightful for me. Um, and again, it it is definitely quite different to being an angel because you don't need to think that far um, into a lot of these things, uh, especially, you know, because it is your own money, you don't need to, you, you're able to take a lot more risk or be, you know, comfortable with that risk because you're managing your own money, um, which I think is probably a major difference. Yeah, I can definitely um, agree with that just because, um, while I've been like trying to educate myself about the venture capital space and like some things that go into like the seed roundings and the valuations and stuff, I definitely feel like that's um, a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, just trying to understand that, so I feel like that could definitely be a misconception for some um, people in the VC space not understanding how difficult that might be um, if you don't really put in the time to try to um, educate yourself on that. So. I appreciate you for just speaking on that and, and letting people know. So, and um, so taking a step back from all the all the business, the VC, the founder, the Bitcoin talk. Um, let's talk about you. What kind of what kind of hobbies do you have? What do you like to do outside of work? Um, this is something we ask all our all our um, guests. They usually all say that they just like to work a lot. Um, but what kind of things do you like to do outside of uh, work and talk about your personal life a little bit? Yeah. Um, I guess outside of work, I, I actually enjoy just scrolling through Twitter. Like I only got onto Twitter last year and it's been like really cool. I, I guess it relates a bit to work because a lot of the people and topics I follow are, you know, crypto or venture related. So I'm always like looking at stuff that, you know, trying to find the next next cool thing, trying to adopt the next new app or technology, trying to find the next cool, cool NFT to buy. 
Um, so that's definitely like something I spend a lot of like, you know, my personal time on. Um, but also um, I, I enjoy going to the gym. So that's definitely somewhere I try and go, you know, three to four times a week. Um, definitely put out time for that. And um, in general, just, I guess, I like just sitting around, you know, at home, spending time with my family, not doing anything really. Like there's not a lot of, um, I guess, cool hobbies that I could say I have um, apart from just, I, I prefer to just relax at home and, and spend time with my friends or my family um, rather than go out um, and, and do stuff. Um, I, I, I like traveling, but haven't been able to obviously because of COVID. Um, but that's been, you know, that's been something that I'm looking forward to over, over um, post-COVID, I guess. No, oh, yeah, I can definitely um, relate to a lot of that. Um, I I definitely just, because I work at 9 to 5, um, and after that, I really just want to relax, chill out, maybe see a couple of my friends and stuff and just hang out. Um, so definitely need to relax and, uh, and do that. So that's that's awesome. And I can definitely attest to, like, loving the travel definitely have missed that um missed that so the, much <laughs> throughout the pandemic just being home and yeah can't wait to get back into that um but i wouldn't say you don't have any cool hobbies i feel like just um being attuned to the DeFi space and mm-hmm. just always just keeping up with that on twitter i feel like this is a good hobby um especially just seeing how um how much potential that really has as well i feel like that's that's huge yeah i guess it whenever i'm on like twitter in my free time my wife and sister just think i'm working because you know DeFi just sounds like work <laughs> no i i like twitter in that aspect where you can really just find the things that you really like and just cater your timeline to see those type of things and just keep educating yourself um that's definitely something that's been big even though we're kind of like in an information overload type of age but that's big in the sense where you can always just keep up on your interests as well um kind of to just wrap things up um, was there anything that like we didn't ask about or any last words or topics or advice that you'd want to give to our audience? Um, no, I think you guys have really covered a lot of the stuff I'm involved in. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I enjoyed having a chat. It definitely like talked about a lot of my interests, um, VC and, and founding and crypto. So I guess if, the only advice I would be able to give anyone is you know, don't feel like you have to do something that you studied. Um, just because personally I did biomed, um, but you know, I'm super far away from that now. Um, and that's something I, I talked to a lot of, you know, young, younger people than me, um, you know, my, my siblings, friends and stuff, they feel like they have to do what they studied, but you know, you don't really have to, if there's something else you enjoy, like I really enjoy crypto and startups. That's just what I went and did. Right. Um, so I guess definitely, definitely try and do that. No, yeah, that's a great message. Always got to follow what you're passionate about and that's the way to go. Um, so again, uh, Nawaz, it was great to talk to you. We appreciate you for coming on. Um, where can our audience, uh, find and learn more about you? Uh, for sure. Um, on Twitter, I'm Nawaz at Nawaz Ahmed NZ. Um, and yeah, you'll be able to find me on Twitter. DMs are open. Um, and yeah, you, if you want to see the Inquisitive VC blog, you'll be able to find it through my Twitter as well. Um, so yeah, that's probably the best place to get in touch with me or, or follow what I'm up to. Yeah. Again, thank you, Nawaz. Uh, really appreciate you for coming on the show. Um, and for our guests and our audience as well to find our next episodes, uh, check out tableforfounders.com where we'll be able to post, um, the next episodes and, 
Thank you all for tuning in.